Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Hey, take your Bibles, the book of Malachi chapter 4. That is the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4. I started a sermon series last week called Christmas Bells. Why is Christmas such a big deal? And uh, we, we've been looking at what makes Christmas a big deal. And last week we went all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Today I want to look in Malachi chapter 4, and I really want to preach this subject. I'm calling it, It Is Time. We're looking at the time before Christmas. I want to talk about why the world needed Christmas so badly. Malachi chapter 4, and if you're joining us online, those of you at our Dalton campus, our Rawlsville campus, thank you for joining us there, being part of Peavine this morning. One church in many locations, and we love that, we love that, so thank you for joining us wherever uh, you are. Well, studies show this about silence. Did you know that if you can get two minutes of silence a day, that it will better relax your body than classical Bach and two hours of quiet can generate brand new cells in your brain linked to learning and emotion. Two minutes of complete silence. So I have to ask. How many of you think you get two minutes or more of silence every day? Let me see. You're some, now, I'm not talking about when you're asleep. You think you get more than two minutes of silence every day. Not that many. How many of you think you get no minutes of silence a day? Let me see, see your hand. Yes, that's, that's me. No, no minutes of silence whatsoever. There are times we want total silence. I know you never did this with your kids, but if my two kids, Michaela, was the talker. She was the two-year-old and three-year-old that would not be quiet. And every now and then in the car, we'd just say, hey, let's play the quiet game, Michaela. Just trying to get a minute. Why? Because sometimes we need total silence. Sometimes we need two minutes of silence. And a study that was done on mice in 2013 and was published in the journal Brain Structure and Function, taught, used different types of noise and silence and monitored the effect of sound and silence uh, that the, uh, it has on the brains in mice. And here's what they discovered. Look at this on the screen. The scientists discovered that when the mice were exposed to two hours of silence per day, they developed new cells in the hippocampus, which is the region of the brain associated with memory, emotion, and learning. Memory, emotion, and learning. So when they got two minutes of silence a day, they grew more brain cells that helped your memory, helped your emotions, and helped your learning. An, an unpublished paper in 2004 by a psychologist, Dr. Craig Zimming, said that higher noise levels in neonative intensive care, intensive care units led to elevated blood pressure, increased heart rates, and distress. It disrupted sleep patterns of infants. So in neonatal intensive care units, when they had a lot of noise, it affected them negatively. And too much noise caused stress and tension. And research has found this, just to reiterate it, that silence has the opposite effect. It releases tension in the brain and in the body. 
It releases tension in the brain and in the body. So sometimes when your life is out of control, your emotions are out of control, your anxiety is high, sometimes the best thing you can do is just go someplace quiet. It's why we say silence is golden. Silence is great unless it's heaven that has gone silent. When we get to the book of Malachi in chapter 4, what's about to happen is God is going silent. As a matter of fact, I won't ask you to end. It's just two quick verses. Look at Malachi chapter 4. Look at the last two, chap- the last two verses, uh, verse 5 and 6. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. Here's what he said in verse 5. Look, I'm going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. That's it. That's it. Those are the closing words of God in the Old Testament. Those are the sign-off words of God in the Old Testament. And right, we remember sign-off words. For example, you may have to have a little age on you to remember good night and good luck. Does anybody remember who said that? Edward Murrow with CBS, that's how he would sign off the news. And then there he is, and that's the way it is. Anybody remember that? Walter Cronkite said this for CBS, that's how he signed off, and that's the way it is. Now, there was somebody else that had a sign-off, and his sign-off was actually good day. Does anybody remember who said that? Paul Harvey. But how do we actually remember Paul Harvey? The rest of the story, right? We, we, we are fascinated and we remember sign-offs, but God signs off. Malachi chapter 4, God signs off with a prophecy and the promise of a curse. And that's a great way to sign off, right? A prophecy and a promise of a curse. Now, here's what we know. This is, we're about to enter into between Malachi 4 verse 6 and Matthew 1 verse 1, we're about to enter into 400 years of total silence in the Bible. Now, it's not the only time we've had 400 years of silence. Before Moses came on the scene, there was 400 years of silence, and then Moses came as the deliverer. But just because God was silent did not mean that God wasn't active. It did not mean God wasn't answering prayers. It did not mean God was not being God. It did not mean God was on vacation. God was just quiet. And 400 years before Moses, God went quiet. And now 400 years after Malachi chapter 4, before Matthew chapter 1, God is about to go absolutely quiet. Nothing. Nothing. And for 400 years, we don't hear a word from God. Now, there's one thing to talk about God being quiet in Bible times. But what I want to talk about this morning is God being quiet in your times, in your life. Because haven't you had those times in your life when you felt like God has gone silent on you? That your prayers are not being answered, that heaven has closed up for you, 
that no direction is being given when you need direction. And as far as you can tell, God seems unconcerned about the trouble you are facing. And as far as you can tell, God has gone quiet. What does that mean? When we look at the period between Malachi and Matthew, we get some insight. We desperately, desperately needed Christmas. Christmas was such a big deal because four centuries before Christmas, God has gone quiet. 400 years of silence is even hard to comprehend. Can I give you some approximate dates? 400 years ago, Galileo proved that planets orbited the sun. Now we have thousands of satellites orbiting the earth and the solar system. 400 years ago, Manhattan was purchased by the Dutch for $24. 400 years ago, the Taj Mahal was built in India. 400 years ago, Pocahontas married John Rolfe. 400 years ago, the Mayflower Compact was signed. Between Malachi and Matthew, between Malachi and Christmas, it's been 400 years. 400 years of absolute silence. Now, you'll never experience 400 years of silence in your life, but we've all experienced it. We've all experienced that time that God seemingly was not active in our lives. We've experienced that time when God was not speaking into our lives. We felt like God had abandoned us and there was no word from God and the prayers were answered or not, we're praying or not getting answered it seems and, and the things we need God doing in our lives, it seems as if he's doing nothing, it's just quiet. But Christmas teaches us that that silence can be used effectively. It is a time to do some things. So if you feel like God is quiet in your world, can I tell you what may be happening? Three things I want to tell you this morning. If God is time, quiet in your world, number one, it may be a time to get ready. What do you mean by a time to get ready? Well, just because God was silent did not mean things were not happening during those 400 years. As a matter of fact, there was a lot going on in the nation of Israel during those 400 years. Uh, the Jews were allowed to return to Israel uh, under the Medo-Persian rule. So that was a big deal that they were repopulating Israel. Israel fell to the Greeks during that time, which was going to be instrumental in us getting our Bible that we have today. Also during that time, they fell to the Egyptians. During that time, the Septuagint, which was the Greek um, uh, copy of the Old Testament, was produced. During that time, Rome takes over rule of Israel and during the entire New Testament period as well. During the 400 years, the temple is put back in practice and local synagogues open up all around Jerusalem and a religious system is put into place to allow the Jewish religious leaders to uh, really operate the religious system. It's when the Sanhedrin was born and the Pharisees and the Sadducees you read about in the Bible were born during those 400 years. It was those 400 years that the Maccabees defeated Antiochus in, in what was skirmishes and then turned into a war and they won their religious freedom and they were able to drive uh, the occupation of Jerusalem out and at least get religious freedom for them. So during that 400 years, it was all of that and so much more that God was preparing the world for the arrival of a Savior. 
that God was preparing the world for the arrival of Christmas. Though we don't have a book or a prophet that storms on the scene in those 400 years, we find the whole world is getting ready for the birth of a Messiah. As a matter of fact, jot this verse down in your notes right here, Galatians 4, 4 and 5. Here's what Paul said. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. But look, look there what's highlighted. The fullness of time had come. In other words, when the time for the Messiah had been perfectly prepared, God sent his son. That during those 400 years of silence, quiet did not mean absence. That Christmas teaches us that that time of quiet may mean a time of preparation, a time to get ready. Because what happened during those 400 years is God was getting the world ready for Jesus to be born. God was getting the world ready for Christmas to come. When you feel like God's gone quiet in your life, can I tell you something? It may mean that the Lord is getting you ready and preparing you for something bigger just around the corner. Listen, there's never a time when we want God to be quiet in our lives. We always want to hear from God. We always want our prayers answered, and we want them answered loudly, and we want direction in life. But hold on. It could be that if God is quiet in your life, he is preparing the world for the next step of your life. Sometimes he is quiet, he is quiet so he can get your life prepared for something bigger ahead. A few years ago, I know you won't believe this, and I'll give you a moment to get over the shock, but a few years ago, I turned 50. I know, I know, it's hard to believe, isn't it? When you're looking at me, you'd, you'd guess 32, 33. I know, I know, it's hard to believe. I'll let that sink in for a minute. And uh, if you don't believe me, I'll show you my driver's license, because I know it's hard to prove. But I, t- I turned 50 just... Um, few years ago, and um, we celebrated my 50th birthday. As a matter of fact, my family took me to a Cubs game. That, that's what they, they, they flew me out to Chicago, and all of us went, and they actually got my name put on the sign. You can see it there. Happy birthday, Joel, 50 all-star trip. It was such a fun, fun event, and it was in April, and it was about eight degrees sitting in the stand. Josh uh, can tell you, it was, it was about the coldest thing I've ever been to in my life. Uh, uh, we made it through six innings and then went and found pizza, so it was a great, great trip. Put my name on the sign, the whole deal. But I had no idea that was going on. As a matter of fact, we, I don't remember what we did. We had something at church the night before, maybe just Wednesday night church. And we were late getting home, and at 11.30 that night, they said to me, we have to get up at 3 a.m. to catch a plane in Atlanta. And they didn't tell me what it was for. So you tell me at 11.30 p.m., that I have to pack a suitcase, get up at 3 a.m., drive to Atlanta, catch a plane. And they didn't tell me. I didn't. I have a sign of us in the airport when they, they brought out a big old huge sign that Sherry had, had printed. It was so neat, such a cool thing to do that had a Chicago Cubs. It was, it was just really cool. I was going to bring those uh, pictures and show you, but it was before I lost weight, and I didn't want to remind you what I looked like back then. And so I decided to skip all that. Um, but, but here's the deal. 
caught me totally off guard. I, I could have guessed until Jesus comes, and, and I would never guess what they were going uh, to do to me. But, you know, I should have had a clue something was up. You know why? Because they'd not even mentioned my birthday. And the reason that's a big deal in our house is because we celebrate everything in our house. My wife thinks Groundhog Day is a reason to have Christmas number two. Like it is just, let the kids, Easter looks like Christmas, birthdays look like Christmas, Groundhog Day, President's Day, all looks like Christmas at our house. But yet leading up to my birthday, not a word had been said for my 50th birthday. And the quiet should have told me they were getting ready for something big. The quietness was a dead giveaway that they were up to something in my life. And I could, can I tell you this morning, it could be in your life that when God goes quiet in your life, that God is up to something in your life as well and use it as a time to get ready for whatever God, it could be an opportunity. It could be a chance to make a difference in somebody's life. It could be a place to serve, a person to impact. Listen, it could even be a season that you're going to have to endure. What do you do when God God is quiet. You get ready. You prepare. You walk with God. Do not treat quiet time as downtime. Treat it as prep time for what God has in store in you for the days ahead. Because when God and heaven go quiet, Christmas tells us that big things could be around the corner. The quietest times in your life. And here in Malachi chapter 4, God just signs off. And heaven goes quiet, and there's no prophet to speak of. There's no book written for 400 years. But that was not a time to walk away from God. It was a time to get ready for God. And what God wanted Israel to do was to get ready for the coming of the Messiah. He wanted them to get ready for Christmas time. He wanted them to get ready for the biggest thing that would ever happen to them. God wanted them to get blessable. Can I tell you, when you're sitting in that situation in life and it happens to all of us, when it feels like heaven is closed and quiet and God is not listening, he hears. But it may be a time to get ready. Second thing Christmas tells me is not only is quiet may be a time to get ready, but number two, a quiet may be a time to get right. There was a lot going on during that 400 years, but not all of it was good. During the period, the nation was going to wander away from God and go back and forth, back and forth. Now, look, that's, we, we can condemn Israel for that. That's the story of your life too, right? We wander away from God. We get back close to God. We wander away from God. And it's only you really grow in the Christian life when you stop that process. And Israel could barely get a step forward because they were in sin, out of sin, in sin, out of sin. And by the time Jesus was born, rules and um, rituals had replaced repentance and relationship. So by, by the time Jesus comes on the scene, the Sanhedrin are, are, is ruling, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are in charge, and rituals and rules had replaced repentance and relationship. So by the time Jesus is born, the nation is going to need repentance and relationship. And so that's why verse number five in Malachi chapter four 
promises Elijah to come first. And Elijah, Jesus tells us, was John the Baptist. He is going to prepare the way for Jesus. He's going to preach repentance. That's why it says this in in verse number six. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest I come and strike earth with a curse. That was the whole point of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was coming. The prediction of his coming was so that they could get their hearts right before Christmas came. The silence of heaven was partly because their hearts were not right and sin had entered into their lives. Now, here's what I want you to know today, that sometimes heaven goes quiet because of our sin and our disobedience. That our rebellion, our walking away from God, our sin can shut up the windows of heaven. And sometimes God goes quiet trying to get your attention. Sometimes heaven goes quiet trying to get you to look up. Sometimes God lets his silence speak volumes. I know you've heard this story about the married couple had a fight and ended up giving each other the silent treatment. As a matter of fact, they did not speak to each other for weeks living in the same house. But about two weeks into their mute argument, the man realized he needed his wife's help because he had to get up at 5 a.m. to catch a plane the next morning for a huge business deal he had in another city. But just being stubborn, he refused to be the first to break the silence. So before he went to bed, he wrote a note on a piece of paper that said, please wake me up at 5 a.m. and laid it on her pillow. The next morning, he woke up at 9 a.m. His flight was long gone. It had since departed. He was about to get out of bed and demand an answer from his wife. And he reached over his night table, put his glasses on, and there was a note on the night table that said, it's 5 a.m., wake up. (laughs) Hey, silence can send a message. Silence can send a message. Here's Here's what the Bible says, Isaiah 59 Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But look, your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Isaiah said the reason heaven has gone silent is because of the sin in your life. And listen, today I want you to know that what you have going on in your life may be the reason you have not heard from God. Christmas tells us that sin will make heaven go silent. When you're not hearing from heaven, when your prayers are not being answered, when you don't feel guided from God or even comforted by God, it may be time to do an inventory in your life and ask yourself, what could be standing in the way between God and I? Now listen, there are times in your life you you, you barely need God. There are times in your life when everything's going great. You could be there today. There'll be times in your life where if you don't hear from heaven, you're fine. If you don't hear from heaven, look, we're healthy, wealthy, and wise. But can I tell you that the the time of needing God is just around the corner for you. And that sin in your life will keep heaven quiet. That rebellion in your life will keep heaven quiet. That attitude, that bitterness, 
that relationship that needs repaired, that habit you should not be involved in, that addiction you've got going on, all of that can cause heaven to be quiet. Your iniquities have separated you from your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. God is very plain that when that sin is in your life, he doesn't hear our prayers and heaven goes In that 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, God wanted Israel to use that time to get their heart right with him. God wanted Israel to use that quietness to find a place of repentance. And without God having to send a messenger, without God having to send a prophet, without God having to send pestilence, without God having to send trouble, without God having to send a preacher. God wanted Israel to take that time before Christmas Day and get their hearts right with them. And I would say to you that if heaven has gone quiet on you, here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to take that time to get your heart right. Heaven's gone quiet. God wants you to take that time and get right whatever is wrong in your life when god goes quiet we want to blame everything else we want to blame it on other people we'll blame it on the culture we'll blame it on god when actuality the ball may be in our court and god's waiting on us Christmas tells us that quiet is a time to get ready and that quiet is a time to get right. And number three, Christmas tells us that quiet is a time to get revived. I love this. So you, you saw, look back in Malachi chapter four. Look, look, look back there with me in, in verse five and six. I'm going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. There's a prophecy. And here's what he'll do. It's the it's a, it's a promise of a curse if you don't. He'll turn the hearts of fathers to the children, hearts of children to the fathers. Otherwise, I'll come and strike the land with a curse. So, I mean, closing out Malachi is a pretty heavy two verses. I mean, those are, those are real serious verses. Those are not party verses. Those not, nobody's writing a Christmas carol out of, out of Malachi 4, 5, and 6. So Matthew 4, 5, and 6 close with harsh words from God. And then Matthew 1, 1, the very first verse in the New Testament opens up this way. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In one verse, we went from despair to deliverance. This verse was the verse of deliverance for the children of Israel, not just for the children of Israel, but for all of mankind. In one verse, we went from despair to deliverance in one verse we see the 400 silent years were a time of expectation even the wise men knew that they came looking for the messiah the king of the jews and after 400 years of silence the world was ready for messiah just like 400 years of moses they were ready for a deliverer now 400 years before jesus they are ready for a messiah and those quiet years were getting them thirsty for a drink of water from heaven. And what those 400 quiet years did was made them long for a word from heaven. 
You know, it could be that in your life, God is quiet because he wants you to get thirsty for him. He wants you to want a word from God. He he wants you to hang on every word of every sermon. He wants you to long for that Sunday school class, that small group, and hear something out of the word of God. He wants you longing for that relationship. He wants you to be sick of the silence of heaven in your life and long for that relationship and long for that revival and long for a move of God in your life and long for something God to do fresh. Sometimes God lets, us go, lets it go quiet so we'll just know what we've missed. And when you've had that walk with the Lord, when you've heard from heaven in your life and then God takes it away, You don't want to live life without it. I'm going to ask our worship pastors, all of our campuses to come. You can close your Bibles. What's Christmas like at your house? How early did you get up as a child? If you're like me, I I remember some Christmases never sleeping, never going to bed, just pretending in my bedroom for as long as I could. Crawling out of bed at 4 a.m. in the morning. Well, they now actually do research on this, and here's what they discovered, that if you have kids under the age of 6, they're going to be wide awake by 6.45 a.m. Now, be honest, we had two girls, and we'd have to wake our girls up on Christmas morning. They never once got up early. Uh, They would sleep, and we'd wake them up, though, bright and early at 9 a.m. in the morning. And uh, uh, But if research shows... If they're under six, they're going to be awake by 6.45 a.m. If your little ones are already teenagers, thankfully only 15% will be awake by 7 a.m. And research conducted by Happy Beds asked 2,000 parents and found that on average parents will be woken up by 6.44 a.m. They even put out some graphs. You can't see all this from there. But one-third of parents find getting their kids to sleep at Christmas Eve a tough task. One-third? Uh, that's all of them. One in five will put their kids to bed earlier to trying to get their racing minds to settle. It takes 33 minutes on average for children to nod off. And one in six will be woken up by kids who can't sleep ahead of the festivities. And what it doesn't show in here is three out of five, their kids have the sniffles and they give them Benadryl at night to get them into bed. I, I don't know. I'm just making that up. Um, and here it is again. Parents of young children get a rude awakening on Christmas Day. Excitable kids kick Christmas off at 644 on average, and 15% will wake up before 6 a.m. Why, why are you telling us all, all that? Because the way that little kid anticipates and longs for Christmas morning is exactly what, what God wants you to do in your walk with him. He, he wants you to be just that excited about your relationship with him and sometimes God lets you go quiet so you'll miss him so you'll long for that revival in your life that you need because here's what God doesn't want let me let me contrast two verses of scripture to you as I close you can stand with me across the room whatever campus you're at stand with me Can I contrast two verses of Scripture as I close? Judges 16, verse 20. This is the story of Samson. Now, you know the story of Samson and Delilah. He got his strength from his long hair. 
Finally, Delilah tricked him into getting it cut off. And look at what the Bible says about Samson. Delilah said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Do you know that's the problem with most Christians is God is quiet in our lives and we don't even notice it. God is quiet in our lives and we don't even care. Heaven has been silent for a long time in our lives and God has gone quiet and we, we're not even making a move to get it. And God says, when I'm quiet, that is a time for you to long for me and to bring revival in your life. And God, listen, he may be preparing you for something and maybe you need to focus on getting ready. He may be closing up heaven because of sin in your life and it's time to get right. But maybe, just maybe, God wants you to miss him. And in that quietness, God wants you to get revived and turn your life. And so we have this verse. It's where too many Christians are. The Lord's gone out of our life. Heaven has gone quiet. We don't even know he's gone. This is exactly what God doesn't want. What does God want? It's in Psalm 42. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul for you, O God. So my soul for you, O God. That's what God wants. God wants you so thirsty for him that you can't handle another moment of your life with silence from heaven. And Christmas is a big deal because it reminds us that silence has a perfect purpose. If God is quiet in your life, there may be a reason. It may be time for you to prepare and get ready for something God has going around the corner in your life. It may be a time to get right and get your heart where it needs to be. And it may just be a time to get revived where God wants you one more time. You're not in sin. You're not doing anything wrong. You're not wandering away from God. You're in church every week. But God has gone quiet and you're going through the motions and don't even know it. And God says, hey, use this quiet. Recognize that I'm gone. Recognize that I'm not in your life. Recognize that you're not hearing from heaven and get revived. And long for me, long for me. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that incredible message. And I mean, if we're honest, there are those times in our lives when God seems silent. And um, we're in, we may be in the midst of a struggle or a difficult situation in our life, and we're like, God, where are you in this situation? During those times, Pastor Joel clearly explained um, what needs to happen. And sometimes it needs to be a time of repentance and readying yourself for what God has for you next. And maybe it needs to be a time of revival, a time where you turn headlong towards God and focus on your relationship with Him, asking Him to do something new and fresh in your life. Or... It could be that you've never started that relationship with Jesus. There's never been a time in your life where you, uh, where God hasn't been silent. And, um, and, and the best thing that you could do this morning is turn your heart towards God and give your heart and life to Him. It begins with you understanding that you're a sinner. And when you're a sinner, your sin separates you from God. And so God is silent in your life. 
begin it, it continues with you believing that Jesus died on the cross to do away with that silence. He died on the cross, he was buried dead in the tomb, and on the third day he rose again, conquering sin, death, and hell for you. And then you confess him as your personal Lord and Savior. And really, that's what this season is all about. We celebrate the birth of Christ, but really we're celebrating all that he came to accomplish in the life of mankind. And so if God has spoken to your heart this morning and you need to give your heart and life to him, in the quietness of this moment, right there where you are, tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I'm asking you today to forgive me through the power of your Holy Spirit, take up a residence in my life. Um, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day. And today I confess him as my personal Lord and Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Hey, if you prayed that this morning, we want to celebrate with you. We want to say welcome to the family. We want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. And so, if you would, pull out your phone and text just your name to my cell phone number, 423-800-1871. I'm going to connect with you and, uh, and help you take next steps. Hey, it's been awesome to be together. And um, I can't wait for a time together at a Christmas Eve service and our online worship experience on Christmas Day. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.